In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. That's right, it's our 500th show and we couldn't get a bigger guest. We're here with J.W. Dubs, Mr. James Wood Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning. Well, good afternoon, I guess, where you are. It is the... uh, it is the afternoon here, but yeah, thank you very much for uh, obviously everything you do with the Browns. But it is our 500 show. It's a global show, and we want to get to know you better as a Browns fan. So uh, first question is going to be is, what soccer team do you support? Oh, well, for sure, the Columbus crew, right? So that, that by first and foremost has to be the crew. So that, that, that's, my, that's my club of choice. Excellent. And do you have a UK team at all? Uh, you know, we, uh, we were fortunate enough when we played in London a couple of years ago to go check out the, uh, the Tottenham, the new stadium there for the Spurs. So, uh, I'll say, uh, the Spurs, how about that? Just cause they were, they were kind enough to show us around, but not, 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 not partial to any one team. So what's your club? My club's Chelsea. And now Chelsea and, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea and Tottenham are like Steelers and Browns, I'm afraid uh, to say, but. So I'm going with Chelsea then. JW, I love it. And Jack would love that as well. Uh, but you've you're, you got three sons. Any of them into soccer or not really? Uh, my my uh, middle son, Ross, is uh, he's, he's playing soccer. And he's, he's a little athlete, football, soccer, you name it. But he, uh, he's into it as well. I was a goalkeeper back in the day. so Excellent. But yeah. um, interesting thing is uh, Aston Villa came over and played against the Columbus crew. So... If you did want any Brownie points with Browns fans, Villa could be a good choice. So there's a bit of uh, right. history for you. So, uh, <laughs> And um, obviously you came over to London, but did you explore Europe at all? Have you been out over here before? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I spent a little time in Spain and Sevilla during some, you know, I was in college. My wife and I honeymooned in Italy and uh, families from, from, have some family in Sweden. So been to Stockholm and Paris, London, et cetera. So uh, would like to do some more after we get through this uh, craziness and this time that we're living with, but hopefully get back over there soon enough. Excellent. We had Joe Thomas on the show yesterday. He also spent a lot of time in Italy. And uh, do you have a favorite spot in Italy that you love? Oh, so uh, we were in Positano for our uh, honeymoon, which was, which was pretty impressive. Uh, so that Amalfi coast is just, is, is beautiful. And, um, you know, spent a little time in, in uh, Naples and Florence and all that this, this past summer. So, uh, you know, Italy in general, but my grandfather uh, on my mother's side is full-blown Italian. So, uh, so impartial there. Excellent. Well, interesting fact, my brother got married the weekend before the Browns came to London in Postano. So, ah, uh, about that. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, we're going to move across to the USA, where sure. I'm sure you feel a lot more comfortable. Tell us. Where did you grow up as a child? Uh, so, you know, I grew up partly in uh, mostly in New York City until uh, I was about 10 years old. And then we moved up to a little town called Sharon, Connecticut, uh, which is a small 
rural country town and uh, mom still lives there today. So, so more, mostly in the Northeast and went to school there. And then, you know, after I graduated from uh, high school, a place called the Salisbury School, uh, made my way down to Oxford, Mississippi to, uh, to Ole Miss and uh, spent some time down there, enjoyed it. And, um, uh, and then moved back to, to New York after I graduated and was uh, continued my career with CBS Sports. Excellent. And did you play football in school, college? No, no, I was uh, um, crazy enough. Uh, I was a hockey player as a kid. So uh, I was a goalie in hockey and that was my sport, loved it. And, you know, as any kids do, we just had dreams of playing in the NHL. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, like, you know, the Northeast in general, <clears throat> football was not, a, a you know, as, as big as, as other sports. And, um, and I was always a relatively big kid and had coaches ask me to play and my mom to this day is still very overprotective and I'm an only child. So uh, she, she said, listen, you can play one contact sport. And, uh, uh, and I was hoping to play both. So she didn't let me play tackle football, unfortunately, but played enough tackle in the yard with my buddies without pads that, uh, you know, found a love for the game still there too. Cause you're a big guy. I've met you face to face. You're a big guy, like quarterback. I could see you now just throwing that the visit. <laughs> You've got to be taller than Baker, haven't you? You are taller, aren't you, the Baker? Just, just a little bit, by a couple inches. Yeah, okay, brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I've listened to a few of your interviews, and obviously we see you on social media. You seem to be a connoisseur of beer. You talk about beer a lot. Is that your go-to drink? or? Um... I, I just like a cold beer every once in a while. I'm not a big kind of a micro-brew guy. I couldn't tell you all the different things that are out there, you know. Uh, but, yeah, definitely enjoy a, a cold beer we're, you know, I've got our friends from Manos Wine here is doing a, a little partnership with us now. So wine, beer, I, I am also partial to a good uh, tequila drink. So I think those of you, if you wanted to get on my good side or you saw me at the pub, one of those three would be, would be a good choice. Excellent. And do you have any um, favorite wines or whatever comes? Uh, you know, I, I've kind of gotten into a, a Pinot called Costa Brown, which is a, which is a, which is a favorite. So uh but but again i'm 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 easy going as long as it tastes good obviously a huge part of the haslam's family you get together as a haslam's what is the haslam's favorite meal uh you know thanksgiving is our big kind of family get together we're all together at thanksgiving and you know between kids and uh, nieces and nephews and husbands and wives and all this kind of stuff. We, we've got about 50 strong that we have every year for Thanksgiving, if, if not more. Uh, so I would say that's, that's our big kind of go-to family get together or, you know, you can never go wrong with a good beef tenderloin. Here's a tough one. I think this is going to be probably your toughest question you've ever had online. It's a family barbecue. Jimmy's there. You're there. Who gets the tongs for the barbecue? Uh, I'm usually cooking at the barbecue. Okay. So, uh, uh, Jimmy is uh, cooking is not his strong suit and, and uh, he will definitely tell you that as well. Uh, so uh, when, when we're all gathering together, it's usually myself or my, uh, my brother-in-law, we're man in the grill for sure. Excellent. When doing research on you, I noticed that after CBS, you then set up a uh, media company. Uh, I've got myself a very young startup media company. If you had one tip for me, what would that one tip be for someone in the uh, media world? Surround yourself with good people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, 
always hard to start up a business, obviously, and it takes a lot of time and hard work. But as long as you have good people around you that can help and support and, you know, uh, do the job that you need them to do, that, that's my one piece of advice. I, you know, unfortunately, three sons, we had to, we, we folded it up just because of, you know, the amount of time that I've been spending here at the Browns now and moving to Cleveland and uh, getting, leaving Nashville, just couldn't, wasn't able to, to keep both things going. But my old business partner, my creative director, we still do work together. He was, he was uh, helped out and uh, wrote the script behind the, uh, the uniform launch video that we did not too long ago. And uh, most of the stuff you see, um, you know, we still help work together and produce a lot of the game day content that you see. So some of the hard land videos and the script. So as long as you have good people around you and you trust them, I think that's, that's the key to any business. Excellent. Thank you. Next question. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. Tell us, what was your first day like working for the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> you know, it's like drinking water from a fire hose, you know, trying to learn something new for sure and a lot coming at you. And, um, you know, prior to, to moving here after the, uh, you know, the 17th season, um, you know, had been involved in around and, and come to games and been around the draft rooms and, and other events and obviously working on some of the game day t- content. But, you know, it wasn't too bad because, like I said, you had been around it before. You knew a lot of the people. Uh, but, you know, it was just, just different. You know, I think anytime you bring another family member into a group or a new guy on the block, it just takes some time for people to get adjusted and getting to know everybody and finding your way and just identifying your role. But it's fun. I mean, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I wish we could have – I wish we had actually moved here sooner, been a part of it um, earlier. But, you know um, – those things, everything happens for a reason. We're glad we're here. We're, we're excited about the direction of the club and we're not going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're just happy to be a part of this and be stewards of this organization for great fans like you. Yeah. I've got to say, I saw that excitement on the, on everything that you did around the Jersey uh, launch. I saw the excitement on your face, every single clip. I could see you teasing the fans and then I could see you, you know, your excitement when you saw Baker and Odell looking at the jerseys. Can you give us any hints of any projects that are in your sleeve for the, in the future? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the Jersey launch was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy that, uh, and I see it looks like you have your new one there ready to go. Uh, so, this, uh, which is very nice. This is an old one, actually. Okay. All right. We'll see. There you go. The new is old, which is kind of the way we wanted to go. So, <laughs> uh, no, we were really pumped about the Jersey launch. Really excited about it. I think our, like to your point, the fans, uh, the players, everybody, uh, us as an organization, we're, you know, we, we, I've said it before, we want to get back to our roots, back to who we are, back to who we'll always be. You know, we're a, we're a traditional classic iconic franchise and, Unfortunately, the, the play on the field hasn't been that way, but, you know, I feel like we're getting back to, to, to that. Um, you know, geez, the last two years, I mean, uh, you guys know as fans, there's a lot of games that we, we let get away from us and made some decisions that weren't probably the best, but we learned from those mistakes, we move on, and we feel good about the young core group of people we have here ready to roll and represent those jerseys, you know, come, come Sunday. Yeah, I know. It's, we just need to uh... – win more of these games, don't we? It just kills us, some of the games we just... No doubt, no doubt. Very frustrating, but like I said, you know, I think uh, those are the breaks, you know. Sometimes that happens, and, uh, you know, but we feel like uh, the guys we have and the core we have in that locker room, 
uh, and I think with Kevin and Andrew and, and the rest of the staff, we feel pretty good about the direction we're going. Now we just got to uh, get through this crazy time we're all dealing with and, and get back on the field and, and get to work. Great. And um, one thing, uh, we see a lot of you now as the part of the ownership team, owner of Cleveland Browns, interacting with the fans, being that bridge. Is this something that was planned or has it just naturally happened? No, I think just kind of naturally happened. You know, I mean, uh, uh, obviously I'm on, on social media and, and happy to do so and, and, you know, be a part of this great fan base in the community and, um, you know, and, and just kind of natural, just my personality. I mean, if it's, uh, wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be who, where we are. Right. So, you know, we, uh, we know how hard it's been and what you guys have been through from a fan base. And like I said, not, not easy for us. I, I was on with uh, McNeil not too long ago and we had a good conversation and he was asking me like, do you hate me about the parade? And, you know, at the time, yeah, obviously. And, and obviously I, I put out a tweet and uh, uh, my wife was, we were sitting in bed. She's like, what are you doing? And I just, you know, hadn't even had a cocktail that night and put out this tweet. And of course it went, you know, went everywhere. People like, who the hell is this guy? And he's not a fan. And of course I spelled you're, you're wrong. And, and I got crushed because I'm an English, had an English minor at Ole Miss. And so I took the brunt of it and no problem. I kind of will happy to jump on the grenade for anybody. And and I own it. And I just, I told him, I said, listen, I, at the time I was annoyed and rightfully so. And I can see why, you know, the parade happened, you know, fans deserve better. And we understand that. And, you know, you kind of got to sometimes take a step back and and, and look at that. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, uh, realize that the parade happened for a reason, but, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm always going to be a part of this fan base. I love you guys. I've said this before y'all are undefeated. And if I can be a a conduit to you from an ownership perspective to the team, I will. JW, I'll just tell you, so this is Ian, Um, that parade, I understand from that standpoint. I've, I've been a fan since I was born. I, I was not a fan of it. I understand why they felt they need to do it, but I was on your side. Like, I yeah. totally thought it was out of place. You're, it was more self-promotion than I think anything. I have no problem saying that out loud. Not everybody was in support of that. Obviously, there was a few people that were angry, and they have the right to be angry, but the majority of the fan base was not on board with that. It was, if anything, a little more embarrassing than I think they realized. And as it got picked up nationally, even here in Chicago, people would ask me about it. And they didn't ask it like, oh, that's funny. They were like, what's wrong with you guys? So I completely defend you on this. I use your, your, and your incorrectly all the time, especially on Twitter. So keep the grammar police away from me. Um, But, you know, one thing I think gets lost in the soup is how much of an impact the Browns, the Browns Foundation has on the community. You know, I grew up in Lorain, Ohio. And I will just tell you the Haslam Foundation and the family was kind enough to donate a new field to my alma mater, Lorraine High School. And it's events like that that really bring a community together. I mean, I can just tell you that my family still lives there. Friends of mine still live there. That was talked about. The fact that, you know, Jarvis and TJ and Josh, they all came to, you know, my high school and were signing autographs and taking pictures with the fans. Where did those type of ideas come with? Because you guys have such a reach with the community and the youth. Uh, where did that kind of come from? Because you could just make such huge impacts with small gestures like that. Yeah, you know, from a family perspective, giving is always something that's that's kind of in our in our DNA and something we'll always do. And you know, kind of to to the part of um, how we did the the proceeds from the jersey sales with our hats off to heroes program to 
you know, the fields that we, we've, we've done here in town and, and other things. And, um, I, you know, that really starts with, with, with Dee and, and Jimmy and the family. And, uh, you know, the fields were, were kind of born out and, um, you know, the, the family has also done the similar same thing in Knoxville, you know, obviously where the, where, where pilot is located and the family's been rooted for, for many, many years. Um, so it was a program that we started there and then we just said, why not carry it over to, to, to Northeast Ohio or where we know f- football and education and, and, and just that is super important to us. And the more we can get kids, you know, into school, staying in school, you know, obviously we've got great people in our, in our department like Renee Harvey and, and Jenna Tukanich uh, to be able to run these programs for us and, and put this all together um, it, it's just, it's just who we are and what we're going to continue to do. Ian. And, and I think it's also a testament to our players. They're, they're into it 100%. It's not, we're not asking them or forcing them to do us this. They volunteer because they know they have to give back and how lucky they are. And, and listen, a lot of these guys came from upbringings where they didn't have a lot of the things that some of us have. And, um, I'm sure they wanted people and organizations gave back to them and they're just paying it forward, which is which is what we ask from them and they're doing a great job doing so. Yeah. And speaking of pay it forward, that's a, it's a kind of a long, it's a long legacy phrase down in Columbus. And after Lorraine, I ironically go down to Columbus, went to Ohio state. This leads us to the crew. So there is a group of people down there that will outright say the Haslam's saved the crew. And you know, there was obviously a huge, gathering of people to try to save the MLS team down there that, you know, I've been a fan of since the early 2000s. How did that kind of come about? Like, how were you guys introduced to the crew? You know, obviously previous Browns ownerships had owned, you know, European teams. So it wasn't unprecedented that, you know, an NFL owner owned an MLS team. So how did the crew come about? Where did you guys get the, the passion for that? Yeah. So, you know, we had heard about obviously what was going on down in Columbus you know, we had our hands full and we still have our hands full. We're just, we, we've got an organization that we, we need to get going and turn around, which like I said, we feel like we're, we're really on the cusp of that uh, and getting the Browns back to greatness. Uh, and that's our number one job. So, but um, you know, we, we heard about the crew, we knew what was going on down there and that the team was, you know, getting ready to move um, and, and kind of just, you know, we felt like we knew what the Browns fan had gone through, you know, back when the team left for, uh, that other city in Maryland, which we won't, we won't answer by, say by name here. Um, and, uh, you know, we just said, listen, there's an opportunity to do something. Let's look into it. And, um, and it's, we wanted to kind of, how can we bolster our, our portfolio and sports is something we all love as a family. And we thought the MLS and still think the MLS is a, is a league that's going to continue to rise. And, um, you know, Columbus is a great city. And so, we literally, uh, one day we, I was in an office with some of our other colleagues and we just started looking at it and said, well, let's kind of do, let's deep dive into it. And then turned out that um, gentleman who was also helping out, a guy by the name of Alex Fisher, who's down in Columbus, has been a family friend here. And we knew Alex when we were thinking about doing some uh, potentially moving training camp down to Columbus a few years ago, which obviously we decided not to do. And I think we, it was the right decision not to do that. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, just kind of worked out. We did our due diligence. We, we had a good relationship with Alex and the Columbus partnership. Like I said, we saw that the, uh, felt good about the MLS as a whole and the city of Columbus. And we just said, listen, let's do our part and let's not have a team ripped away from another fan base. And we know what that fan base would have gone through like they did in Cleveland. And I think it would have been hard to get another MLS team back to Cleveland or to Columbus, excuse me. So, 
we just wanted to come in and see if we could help. And we did our part and we're excited about it. Unfortunately, we're not playing games right now. It's tough, you know, with what we're dealing with. Uh, but uh, um, hopefully we'll get out there soon enough. Well, I can tell you someone that lived there for 17 years, Columbus is a Browns town. Um, as much as the other teams have presence there, it's still a Browns town. And I know that that gesture talked about then, talked about now, just so widely regarded. So thank you from all of the crew fans. I know there's, you know, they're very appreciative. Well, we're, we're excited about it. We're ready to get, hopefully, you know, we've got some good things going on with the new building that's happening. I think once we get in there, you know, it'll be a little bit of an easier destination to get people to come to, get them excited about it. And, you know, we're, uh, Caleb and Bez are doing a good job putting, uh, putting a good team together. We were excited about this year and we were ready to go. And like I said, unfortunately, it just got cut short. So. Yeah. And last but not least, we have the Browns. So the, the, the Browns have been, you know, the, the dominant team in Cleveland ever since my youth. And actually, I'll take you back. You and I have had a brief interaction in the past. And this is, we didn't prepare you for this, so I'm going to tell you this story. So it's December 23rd, 2018. And I actually had the privilege of sitting in the box to the, uh, to the left of you guys. Okay. And I was sitting over there on the rail. Baker throws a fade pass to Njoku in the corner of the end zone. Browns go up. And you are fired up. You're going around high-fiving everybody. So I'm there on the rail, and I'm like, look at this guy. You come over. So we give a high-five, second quarter of the game. It was something that kind of just left an impression on me because I'm sitting there, and I'm watching you and Jimmy, and I'm watching how passionate you guys are, how much you guys want to win. Because I think a lot of times what gets lost is the, the Browns fans always look at ownership as not being, like you said, one of the fans. And this was just a personal interaction that I had where I got to watch you, I got to watch Jimmy be as passionate and as the desire to win is second to none. Is that a passion that you got as a youth from the hockey leagues or, you know, where did that kind of competitive juice? Because, man, you get fired up for those games. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just kind of, uh, um, you know, it's just who I am. I'm, I'm always fired up, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm – uh, you know, part of the Browns brotherhood forever. You know what I mean? So like, it's just something that's just been part of me. I get excited, you know, even when it comes to my kids flag football teams and I get riled up for them and they tell me after the game, like, dad, you're embarrassing me. Like, you know, stop. And, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, listen, we are just competitive. We love to, we want to win. We, we want this franchise to win. We want this fan base in this city and, you know, people around the world, like, like Paul and everybody else that, you know, our Browns backers to, feel winning again and um you know when, when we do win and when we score touchdowns I am fired up you know and when we lose I'm madder than hell I mean it, it takes me a couple of days to really recover from a loss and whether it's a close one or one where we just got our you know doors beat off uh it still sucks you know because I think we've, we we, we want to win and um yeah I mean my, my passion for the Browns will, will never will never go away and, and anything we do we're always passionate and want to win so it's just part of who we are. All right well last hard-hitting question for me this is this is probably the toughest question you'll get since Paul asked his now that Brit, now that Britain Cole quits gone are there any Browns players who can beat you 18 holes at any golf course? Well I hadn't played with Britain but you know and, and we had tried to get out there and do that and, and he's a good player. And, and there were times where we talked about it with him and Charlie and the guys when we were going to try to get out. We just, we couldn't do it. Uh, I don't know who else is on the, out there that that's pretty good at golf right now. I, I, you know, the good thing, I want them focusing on the playbook right now and getting ready for hopefully when we come back there, but 
That's a good question. I, I don't. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to do some homework there. Don't listen to Zagura. He's a ringer. Yeah, I've played. I played a little bit with Nathan, and he uh, he hits at a country mile, uh, and uh, and he, he he's pretty good. We, he and I need to get back out there. We talk about that all the time. I tell you, he's actually a good player, and hadn't either. It's John Greco, uh, and and Greco, you know, is now doing some work with us on on CBD and everything else, and. Uh, uh, he's, uh, he's a stick and he usually did well when we had our uh, foundation golf tournament, which obviously unfortunately got canceled this year because of the virus, but, um, uh, he, uh, he's a good player. The pride of Toledo. So, and lastly, I'll get you a bottle of Bordeaux. The Costa Brown is a delicious Pinot. I'll get you a bottle of Bordeaux. You got to come over to that side. There's nothing better than a nice Bordeaux. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my, my, my brother-in-law likes a good French Bordeaux. So I, I, I'm in too. JD, the last 60 seconds is everyone gets this question. Joe Thomas, Eric Metcalf, here we go. What body, car, body part would you be willing to give up for the Browns to win a Super Bowl? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Oh. Body part to give up for a Super Bowl. I don't know. I've got a bad, I've got a, a bad pinky here, so maybe I'll give up my bad pinky. I, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> Brilliant. probably a whole lot probably a whole lot more if i needed to give up my soul i would but i need that to keep my passion going for this team so now we uh we joke about i don't have a tattoo i'm not a tattoo guy but i said uh maybe if uh if we win one there could be a, maybe i get a tattoo one of these days but we'll see excellent well look it's our 500 show i want to say a massive thank you for the owner of the cleveland browns to come on it shows a, a lot of the bridge between the fans and the ownership. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. So uh, thank you for everything well, you congr do. Yeah, congratulations on 500 shows. We appreciate both of you and your fan base. And obviously I know, you know, coming across the pond for games and, and seeing you, and we look forward to seeing you here hopefully in, in September. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we thank you guys. I've said this before, our fans are undefeated. And uh, we appreciate all that you guys do, con continued support and I didn't answer your earlier question about the uniforms. There may be something up our sleeves, so we'll just have to wait and see. Stay tuned. Uh, I know everybody's clamoring about these orange pants, and uh, that's the one thing I get hit up most now on, on social media is about the uniforms and orange pants. And like I said, we'll see. I, I can't believe we missed out on the orange pants. We'll just keep working with Nike, and hopefully something comes out of that. I mean, they're good people. I may have to send Ian, send me some of that Bordeaux, and I'll send it to them. Hopefully they'll uh, – <laughs> come around with a nice case of wine to get us those orange pants. I'm still trying to get Paul to come over. It's open to the public. The Browns Packers uh, co-practices. I don't know if it's been officially announced. If Paul comes into Chicago, we're driving up to Green Bay. I want to see Paul in some potential orange pants. <laughs> Can't be arranged. Yeah, no, we'll see. I think uh, hopefully preseason, we'll, we'll, they'll get that schedule out here soon. But uh, yeah, we'll be up in Green Bay, uh, I think, week two, whenever that is. But we'll do our joint practice, and who knows what that looks like after that. But we'll see you there. But, no, thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate y'all's fandom. Thank you very much. Congrats on the show, and look forward to seeing you this season. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you. Go Browns. With Nick Chubb in the shotgun, three receivers left, one right. Here's Mayfield throwing, and it's Odell Beckham Jr. in the clear. 35-40. He's to the 50. He's running to the 40. He's going into the end zone. 